goes to form clay. We'll pray in a moment. He knows what he's making. Before he ever touches the clay, he gets a visual in his mind. And this morning I asked three people to get a picture in their mind of something they wanted to form out of clay and to do that. So um, Angel, if you would bring up what you have formed out of clay. And uh, here he comes, give Angel a hand. So, um, oh, very, very creative. So, Angel, what is this? I can tell what it is, but share it with us. It's grapes. <laughs> it's grapes. Very beautiful. Look at the leaves. Did you do that all by yourself? No. No. Who helped you? Debbie Kidd. Oh, Debbie Kidd did. I should have seen that detailed art hand there. Well, give the potter and the clay a hand. Thank you, Angel. You can... Put it anywhere up here. Um, Pastor Todd is also someone that uh, he did this during prayer. He was here during a prayer service last night. And what is this, even though we can tell? An elephant. This is an elephant. And uh, I sent a picture of this to Susan Vernon last night in honor of our circus theme for Queen for a Day. So a beautiful elephant has Pastor done. Da, 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 da. Pastor Todd has done. So give Pastor Todd a hand, the potter and the clay. Christian, you got yours? You left it at the ranch. Okay, Christian is quite an artist. So in Christian's mind was clay being formed into an apple. So give Christian a hand even. That's all. That is, that is so okay. So totally okay. Turn to Jeremiah 18th chapter and uh, we'll read from there and then we'll pray and see what um, God will say to us this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, Jeremiah 18th, um, 18th chapter. I thought I had it marked, but I'll find it. Okay. Jeremiah 18 and verse one, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Everyone say from the Lord. God wanted to speak to Jeremiah. And so he called him. He didn't call him to the sanctuary. He didn't call him to the altar. He called him to the marketplace. He called him to a place that God, I'm gonna finish reading in a second, where God can show him something and God can speak in a language that Jeremiah can understand. It's often amazing to me that some of the things that God will say to you and I, he will not say to us in a sanctuary, though he speaks and we are commanded even more as the day approaching to come and encourage one another by our gathering together. That's very important. But God will speak to us. Sometimes not here will be the greatest words, but it'll be right in the marketplace. And he says, arise and go down to the potter's house. Everyone say the potter's house. And he says, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse six, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, we won't go back to the book of Jeremiah. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 says, but we have this treasure. Everyone say, we have this treasure 
in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Let's pray. Father, we just welcome your Holy Spirit that's already here resident this morning. I ask you, sir, to speak through me, to strengthen me, to speak to each one of us where we are this morning, to carry this word wherever this word needs to be carried. Holy Spirit, I ask that inside this message, you would speak to each son and daughter of the Most High God, that you would breathe, breathe fresh breath upon us this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would life us, that you would strengthen us, and you would give us understanding of your work in our individual lives. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, and we ask you that we'll not leave the way we came in. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I may not look beautiful to you, but I am. And 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 says, this treasure we have in earthen vessel. I think this is an amazing point about Jeremiah's life because God had blessed him and called him by his own name. And God says, come down to the potter's house. God had blessed him when he was born. In fact, Yozur or Yazur in the Hebrew means potter, means to fashion or create. It says in Isaiah 64, you are the potter, Lord. We are the work. Say, I am, I am. the work of his hand. And this morning, you may not feel like the work of his hand. You may not feel like anyone looking at you thinks that you are the work of his hand. But the word Yotzer was very familiar to Jeremiah. When God says, Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. Go there where people or things are fashioned or created. Jeremiah understood. It reminded him of the first word the Lord ever gave to his son, Jeremiah, the prophet. And Jeremiah stands for you and I this morning when God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I fashioned you and created you, I knew you. Let me say to you this morning that this was getting him to go back to his first call. The first time God spoke to him. The first time God ministered to him. You know, at different moments of our life, we got to go back to that place. That place either where we were saved or that last place we remember God coming down in that moment. Come on, somebody. And speaking to us when that shower of anointing, when the glorious presence of the Lord, it may have filled our car. It may have filled our bedroom. It may have filled where we were standing in the yard. But that moment when it seemed like God just touched us, you may be a long way away from that moment today. But let me tell you, God calls you again back to the potter's house, back to where it's come on somebody, where his hands are shaping and forming. Can somebody give God a praise in this house this morning? Come on. I know you got a few people missing, but you can do better than that. Where God says, come back to where you experience my mercy. Jeremiah had experienced God's mercy as a baby, a man raised up and called and God had blessed him. And you would think Matt Decker, that when God blesses you, it means that nothing will ever happen to you. You will never be attacked. You will never go through anything. You see, God had ordained Jeremiah. God had said, before you in your mother's womb, I knew you. God also says that to you and I all through the word. No one in this room is an accident. Whether you're the product of a backseat encounter or a one night stand, no one is an accident. Before you were in your mother's womb, your God knew you. He named you. He chartered your future. 
future. Someone give him a praise this morning. Heard the most amazing testimony this week. Ezra, can you remember his last name? He's an overseer of the Taban Islands in the Church of God. And uh, Daystar gave the Church of God a couple of nights this week to uh, air their general assembly that they have every two years. And um, so he was, he was preaching and uh, someone shared, Marcus shared with me his testimony, said that his mother had a one night encounter with a man in the islands there. Um, I can't remember where these islands are, but it's English speaking, predominantly black uh, men and women. And his mother had a one night encounter and she got pregnant. And during the pregnancy, she was a homeless woman living in the streets and on the, in the woods. And the Lord spoke to her during her pregnancy and said, this baby shall give me glory. This baby shall give me praise. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. She was eating scraps out of people's garbage. She carried the baby to full term on her own without any help. The baby was born and she named it Ezra. But the minute it was born and after she named him, out there in the field by herself, the baby died. She's sitting there holding her baby. And the same voice that spoke to her while she was pregnant said to her, take this baby down to the creek and dip it three times and I the Lord will bring this child back to life. That homeless single mama who was carrying a baby from a one night encounter of a man she never saw again took that baby Ezra down to the creek bank. She dipped him one time nothing happened. She dipped him two times nothing happened. She dipped him three times and on the third time the baby came up and began to choke and began to cough and begin to spit forth life. That man's name today is Ezra and he's won thousands of people to the Lord because God makes beautiful things out of dust. That man when he was 15 years old was homeless, Ezra. Even after miraculous birth. You know in Genesis 2, and I'll get back to the story, it says that God reached down to the dust and God formed man, Tatum, after his own image. God formed man, and Misha said that God blessed him. Everyone say God blessed him. Not a pope, not a priest, not a nurse, not a doctor, but God blessed his creation of his own hands. You would think that that blessing over his life would have kept him from all harm. You would think that when the Lord blesses you, God says in number six, he said to the priest, tell, this is what you are commanded to speak to my children. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you and turn his face to you. I may have reversed it, but that's how it goes. You would think that that blessing over Adam and Eve, that blessing over the children of Israel would keep them from all attack, would keep them from all harm. You would think that but in Genesis 3 the serpent comes into the garden and the two people that God has spoken his blessing over all of a sudden take a bite from the apple and man begins to fall and the world goes into chaos so what was the blessing about what was the blessing over Adam and Eve what was the blessing over the prophet and Jeremiah what is the blessing over you and your children it's the blessing that doesn't keep you from attack because you always have an enemy but it's the blessing that carries you through every trial every dark place every attack and brings you to the other side I wish I had somebody that believes they've been blessed by God this morning 
that blessing kept Adam and Eve has God himself carved skins for them in the garden, killed the first animal, and they were dripping with the blood of the animal. God's words carried them and carried mankind all the way to Calvary. God's word over Israel and that same blessing that we receive is a blessing that says, David said in Psalms 27, even when I am attacked, my heart will remain confident. Even when I am attacked, even when I go through a hard place. Well, if the Hebrew boys were blessed, why did they go through the fire so that they could have ropes burnt off of their hands that could not be burnt off any other way so someone could see the fourth man in the fire. You may wonder right now if the glory is equal to the suffering. You may wonder right now why you and your life and your family your spouse is going through a trial. Let me encourage you going through that fire someone's going to peer in and see the fourth man and the fourth man is the son of the living God. Somebody give him praise this morning. And Jeremiah had been blessed. God had said, I formed you. I created you. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you by name. That little Ezra was a 15-year-old boy bagging, still homeless. God had resurrected him. We're always surprised. You know, when we, we bring our babies, we bless our babies, we dedicate our babies to the Lord. I've had pictures of my mom and daddy taking me into the church to be dedicated. My brother and my sister, we dedicated both of my daughters in the house of the Lord. Our parents dedicate our first one, our second one, Pastor David Bishop, who's in heaven, dedicate our second one. We bless them and we dedicate them to the Lord and we give them to God and, and we just believe that that blessing will keep them all their days of their life. But we are not ignorant as parents, neither were my parents. When my parents carried me as a baby to the altar of God to be dedicated, they did not think that blessing me before the Lord was going to mean that I was going to live in some kind of utopia because this is a fallen world. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Jesus has stripped his authority, but he still has power. We've been given all authority, but the attack is always on the elect and it always will be up until the end of Revelation. In fact, in Revelation 12, it says, I saw Satan, the accuser of the brethren, going before the throne both day and night. You will always be attacked. My parents did not think that blessing Rhonda LaJoyce Giles, now Davis, and blessing me and having that pastor pray over me that somehow that blessing was going to move me to a utopia where there was no carnality, no drugs, no influence, no people that would try to lead me down the road opposite to that which my parents had charted. And there were things. I had friends in high school who led me. I had my own will, desire, temptations, and my own mind and will that led me many times away from the path that God had chartered for my course. But I believe that when the Lord blesses you and when my parents took me, you say, well, my parents didn't have me blessed. I was born in a heathen family and no one blessed me. Let me tell you when you received Jesus at Calvary, you received the blessing of the Most High God. You became to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ and sons of the living God. So let me tell you that blessing is like when Balak hired Balaam and said curse the people of God and took him up to the mountain and Balaam looked down at the people of God 
and he said I cannot curse what God has already blessed come on somebody it doesn't mean that enemies didn't try to destroy and bring Israel down year after year generation after generation but guess what when my parents took me to the altar when God blessed baby Jeremiah and said before you were in your mother's womb I knew your name and I called you to be a prophet that blessing that my parents had prayed over me on the times I got out of the path on the days I walked down paths I should have never walked when my parents looked at my life and said there is no hope anymore for our daughter it seems everything we prayed and believed for her has gone astray but they put me in the hands of the potter and guess what that blessing got me off the wrong path and got me back on the right path that blessing put my feet back on a safe place and that blessing put a new name in my mouth and let me tell you when God blessed you at Calvary when he sealed the deal with the blood it does not matter how the journey goes because the blessing of Calvary if you just reach up the blessing of God Almighty will get you back on the right road on the straight road on the great road and put you on the path to your future oh somebody ought to give him a shout of praise sorry I really knew this was going to be a teaching sermon sometimes you got to remember that place of blessing Jesus stood up uh, Taylor in the New Testament and quoted the words of the Isaiah prophet in Isaiah 61 where he says the spirit of the Lord has anointed me and he says he's anointed me to speak to the captive to the prisoners he's anointed me to appoint beauty for ashes the first time God formed out of dust and made clay and made man his hands were on the clay when Jeremiah sees let me get back to Ezra I got to finish that story because y'all be wondering what happened to Ezra he's 15 years old and he's bagging in a grocery store still homeless God had blessed him God had spoken over him but he's 15 and homeless God raised him from the dead you would think at 15 he'd have been a preacher you would think at 15 he would be someone amazing but he's bagging groceries. But a Church of God missionary by the name of Bob Carey came in to check out groceries in those islands. And he looked at that boy and the Spirit of God spoke to him and he said, boy, what's your name? He said, Esha. He said, son, God just said you are to be my son. I'm going to take you in. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to minister to you and I'm going to show you the ways of God and God just told me one day you'll take the gospel to the entire world even more than me well he took Ezra and he raised that little boy still homeless at 15 even though his birth was supernatural don't you ever count God out on any day of your life any moment of your family's life he still gives beauty for ashes the hand of the potter is still on the clay the hand of the potter was still on Ezra the hand that raised him from the dead the hand that kept him alive in his mother's womb was still the hand at age 15 and on Thursday night that wild black man got up before worldwide television Ezra freaked all the general officials out made him come on stage and be his props I couldn't stop laughing had him up there acting like Peter and John and begging at the gate and then he called Bob Carey up 
And Bob Carey grabbed the mic and they were fighting over the mic, but he preached all over the nations. And at the end, he built an altar of chairs, just like these chairs. And he said, whatever the devil has built against you, God is saying he's going to knock it down. He said, Satan has built altars against many people watching all over the world. But guess what? The name of Jesus and the power of Jesus will tear down any altar built against the elect, the children of the most high God against your marriage, against your children, against your finances, and that baby raised from the dead at Creek, and that baby at 15 still homeless, now oversees many islands and pastors a church of about 1,000 people and spoke to the entire world Thursday night because the potter kept his hand on the clay. Somebody give God a shout of praise in this house. Say his hand is still on me and his hand was on the clay God formed dust and made it clay and he blessed it and called it man and in a pivotal moment in Jeremiah's life weary and not understanding how a person of supernatural favor could find himself in this moment listen to the spirit how a person who had done well I don't not even tell you everything that happened to Jeremiah's life because he'd freak you out if you don't know the book, maybe don't read it unless you're courageous. He was a man who took a stand for God. A man who suffered greatly for God. In a pivotal moment of his life, God spoke to him in terms to say, Jeremiah, remember the last place of my mercy. Remember what I have done for you. Go to the potter's house where you'll see a hand is on the clay Go to the potter's house and let me speak in figurative language that your heart will understand. Sometimes God searches, I often like to say, like in the toy box of our faith. And he pulls out images, just like a crying child. You know, I don't know if you ever had a child to cry. Uh, Courtney had this thing, this little rabbit, and she would put her teeth into its ears, and she would sling it when she began to walk, and she would carry it. It's just, we still have it somewhere. It's just beaten up, and whenever she'd get to really crying, I'd hold that little thing up to get her attention and say, look at what makes you happy. Look at what makes you happy. It was either that or the bottle or the pacifier. Can I get an amen, somebody? Look at what makes you happy. Sometimes the Most High God does that to you. He says, look, remember. Remember my peace. Remember my provision in past days. Am I not the God that did this for you? Am I not the God that orchestrated the events of your life? If I were to pass this microphone to every person in this room, without question, without reservation, every person in this room could tell us a story that would absolutely encourage us in the ways of the Lord in your life. You would have a moment in your childhood when God turned everything around. You would have a moment in your family or with your kids when God turned everything around. And God was saying to Jeremiah, remember my mercy. You can't give what you don't have unless you shut down your electronics, your droids, your cell phones, and you begin to listen to what God says. Unless you shut down everything else and touch back in to his mercy, and touch back in to his fresh awareness. You can't give out what you don't have. And God was saying, Jeremiah, come back. See my hand on the clay. And the amazing thing, brothers and sisters, when he walked into that room, there's the potter, that's God. There's the clay, that's us. And then there's the wheel. According to Jewish potters, 
they turned the wheel by their knee and their leg, but their hands never left the clay. The wheel they would turn with their legs so they never had to get their hands off of the clay. Matt, I want you to come and help me. I'm going to talk about a few vessels. Then we're going to get ready to take communion. I'm not quite done, but I just want you to set atmosphere, just playing something that we don't know that would just accompany these moments. When we think about the vessels we want to be in this morning, wherever you are, you may wonder, is his hand still on the clay? What is God forming and fashioning out of me? You know, it's, it's, it says that according to Jewish custom, the potter would take gritty substance out of what was in the clay. Things that the world would try to put in. I wonder what gritty substance, if we were to be honest with each other, every one of us, myself included, has come into our clay, our vessel. Hurt, disappointment, fear, anguish, betrayal, loss of hope. I wonder what would be in this clay this morning that we would say, Father, I need your hand to remove it. I often said the Jewish custom that the potter would take water and he would wash the clay over and over again, always keeping his hand on the clay, always keeping his hand on the clay, washing that substance. I love Becky says what the word says, that the word is that water that washes us, that the spirit is that water that washes us. Whatever you have on you right now, in you, I'm going to tell you, TV won't cure it. Watching a good movie won't cure it. And I love all those things. Just taking a happy walk, which is good, won't cure it. And I do that. It raises, it releases your stress. But the Word will wash out the substance. The substance of disappointment. The articles that get in there of betrayal, of fear, of anguish, of loss, of hope. Of God, what are you doing? Where are you? It gets in there and the potter being loving, he knows what he's gonna make. God already knows. I can't look at any of you today and you can't look at me and know what God is forming in my life right now. You can't know what God is fashioning me to be. Elders and prophets that they've been doing so much the last few weeks to speak into our lives, but they don't know completely. You can look at your children and you direct them in the way they are bent. You can look at your grandchildren and you can direct them in the way that they're bent, which means their gifts and their talents. But even us don't know what God is forming out of our life. So we have to allow Him wash the sediment out. So we see that when the potter comes in, we see vessels that He has, vessels He's making. This might help some of you. One of those vessels is a vessel of mercy. A vessel of mercy was put in the middle of the marketplace. This is each one of us this morning. A vessel of mercy was so that water could be poured out in the marketplace. It was taken to the center of the city, Romans 9 and 23, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand. Say, I have. Come on, say, I have. Say, I have been prepared beforehand it says for glory it wasn't put at the front door of the house it was put in the center of the city 
because it was accessible. You may question, how is working at Amazon fulfilling God's will at my life right now? You're a vessel of mercy being put there to pour out the water. You're a vessel of mercy being put at Channel 12 in Chattanooga to pour out the water. You're a vessel of mercy being put at State Farm to pour out the water, to be a school teacher. Everywhere you go is thirsty. People are thirsty for water. God wants to make us into vessels of mercy that say, I will not keep this water to myself. Vessels of mercy are not put in the middle of a church service. Come on, somebody. Vessels of mercy don't work at Daystar. Come on, somebody. Vessels of mercy are put where tongues lag. Vessels of mercy are put in harsh places. Vessels of mercy are put where evil, perverse corruption, speech comes forth. Vessels of mercy are put somewhere where people are thirsty. Because you know what? Big is not always accessible, but vessels of mercy are always accessible to somebody drinking, to someone that is thirsty. God just wants to put you somewhere. He just wants you to witness as simple as this. Live your life in such a way that it wouldn't make sense if God didn't exist. Live your life in such a way that when you pour out water of faith and encouragement, that people looking in will say, you know what? There's no way he or she could walk that way through that thing or have that kind of faith or that kind of love or that kind of peace and God not exist. There's no human DNA. There's no robot on planet earth that can give God glory in the fire. But guess what? Vessels of mercy pour out water in the midst of a drought because their fountain is living water. Jesus Christ who said any man that is thirsty Come on, somebody. Let him come unto me. Give Christ Jesus the ultimate vessel of mercy a hand. Vessels of mercy. I remember running into a woman selling watches at Walmart. I've told this was four, about three years ago, four years ago, and I was going to Ireland. And she said, what are you going to Ireland for? And she goes, I bet I know what you're going to Ireland for. You're going to Ireland to preach. You're, you're, you are. You're a preacher, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, man, that makes me mad. And I said, why does it make you mad? She goes, because I'm called to preach and I'm stuck here selling watches at Walmart. I said, really? She said, yeah. She says, yeah, and I just, it angered me. Tears start flowing. I said, can I ask you something? She said, sure. I said, how many people walk through here every day? She goes, oh my goodness, I would have no idea. Hundreds, I said, hundreds don't walk through my door every day. I don't have hundreds at my office where I prepare sermons. I told her, yes, I've gone on national television. Yes, I've stood in large audiences. But you daily, if you accumulated every person that you encounter, you have a much bigger pulpit. The average size church in America is 30. I don't know if you know that. The average size church in America is 30. And I told her, I said, you have a bigger pulpit than the predominant amount of pastors in America. Let me tell you something, woman of God. I looked at her and I said, the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth. All you've got to do is open your 
mouth and sustain the weary. All you've got to do is encourage someone that's discouraged. I said, wait on the Holy Spirit. When he gives you an open door, just encourage someone. Just speak life. I said, God will bring you multitudes to where you are. You're a vessel of mercy. Come on now. Don't tell me and don't tell God that because we don't have a pulpit, we don't have a word. We have the word in us wherever we go. Come on, somebody, and give God a shout of praise. There was a vessel of honor, and a vessel of honor was a vessel that was used at the door of the house. This is the household of faith. I won't stay here long because I think we have such a beautiful house full of vessels of honor. These vessels in Isaiah 33 and 16, it promises that his water shall flow through the righteous. Vessels of honor are who don't look at anything for what it can do for themselves. Vessels of honor are those who are at the door to minister every day to serve guests. Vessels of honor are those who wash feet with their acts of kindness. Come on, somebody. Vessels of honor, you don't see them get a title, but the potter's hand is always on the clay. They're the ones that carry the heavy stuff when nobody is watching. Come on now. Vessels of honor are the ones that show up early and come in the middle night of the hour to get things ready for you camp. Come on. Vessels of honor are the ones that clean commodes when no one is watching. Vessels of honor are ones that say, I don't need anybody to recognize me. I'm just here to serve living water. I know what is honor. Honor is not big. Honor is not title. Honor is not cameras catching my picture. No, honor is me serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Honor is serving my family, pouring the water upon my children's feet, ironing their clothes. Honor is serving in the house of God when no one can see. Vessels of honor may not be known by many, but guess what? They are always known by those they pour life into. Give the Lord Jesus a hand clap of praise. Vessels of honor. Vessels of honor, but the hand of the potter. Say the hand of the potter. He knows what he's making out of you. You may be in a season of a vessel of honor. You may be in a season as all of us, a vessel of mercy. You think, Lord, I'm tired. I'm tired of being in a marketplace where vileness is. I'm tired of trying to bring living water when I feel the drought myself. But the Lord says, just lift up your cup to me. One of the most beautiful things that they had was a chosen vessel. A chosen vessel was one that was not displayed on the shelf. In fact, when you went shopping into the potter's house, Susan, you didn't see the chosen vessel. The master would put the chosen vessel on his shelf in his closet. And only the very discerning would say, Potter, Master Potter, do you have a chosen vessel? And a big smile would come on his face. You've asked well, grasshopper. <laughs> You've asked well. Chosen vessels were vessels that only the potter knew what was in them. Chosen vessels are full of strength and beauty. Chosen vessels have been through the fire many times and many moments of the fire, they would think, because when God forms and the potter would form and then he would put the clay in the fire and then he would form some more and he'd put the clay in the fire to perfect it 
to get the sediment out of it, to get the things out of it, the rocks, the hard places, so it could be. Often we tell God what we want to be. I want to be this, and God says, I know what I'm forming you. If you trust the master potter, if you trust me that I can use whatever's turning the wheel against you, this hard place in your life, this circumstance, this time at Hope House, this time at the ranch, this hard place, if you can understand my foot is controlling the wheel, it may seem like the wheel is going so fast and you're saying, God, if I'm your chosen vessel, please stop this wheel from turning so fast. Please stop this wheel. Please slow it down. But the mighty and magnificent and awesome thing is the clay stays in the hand of the potter. And in the end, God is the power, the El Elyon, the most high God. The one that Habakkuk says, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, my invincible army. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer that I can walk, not stand still in terror, but make progress upon my spiritual high places of trouble, suffering and responsibility. Why? Because God's got his hand on the clay. Somebody give God another hand clap of praise this morning. Chosen vessels, Acts 9 and 15. The Lord describes Ananias as a chosen vessel because Ananias is in the right place at the right time, praying, seeking God. He's the chosen vessel that is called to go speak into the life of another chosen vessel, Paul you see, when the potter, when you ask him, where's your chosen vessels, he's got them hidden because they've gone through much season of preparation. You may wonder right now, I feel like I'm in the closet, or I feel like my church, my ministry, or the things that God has given us, or the plans and the dreams I have, it, it seems like they're on the closet shelf. Let me tell you what David said. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. You may be on the shelf for a season, but it's better to be in daddy's house on the shelf than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. It's better to stay underneath a hand. Come on, somebody. Underneath the hand of God, the potter, the loving, kind potter, allowing him to form in you what he wants to form. You're better in that than to dwell one day in the tents of the wicked. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. It may be uncomfortable, but Matt Decker, we need closets more than we need carnivals. God takes time to form things. And Billy Burke said a couple years ago, the ship would break up, a remnant would land on the other side. A remnant. And that God would preserve the remnant to form the new work that we're going to do. The new work. Remnant is not an easy thing. Study it through the Bible. Remnant has to stay underneath the potter's hand. Remnant doesn't judge by what we see but what we know remnant judges by what god is bringing forth it's uncomfortable for you as individual vessels when you feel that god has done so much to say i feel like i'm sitting back here but the potter knows and let me tell you something one thing a clay vessel and ananias never forgot and paul never forgot there's some people if they don't go through the fire i meet them all the time i hear about them i 
uh, silence myself. Let's just say, I know the things that they say. I think some clay got out of the fire that God intended to make them chosen and they forgot that they are merely from clay. Chosen vessels never forget from clay I came, from the dirt I came. He can make beautiful things out of my life if I allow him. Come on, somebody. If I allow him to do so, he can make beautiful things out of my ministry, out of my church, out of my family. Because chosen vessels, everyone say chosen vessels, never forget where they came from. Now, we didn't want to hurt this. I'm coming to the end, and I'm going to get ready to take communion and minister to you. Is a broken vessel. Now, this vessel is way too pretty. And I don't want to get in trouble with the decorators. I did break one. I should have gotten that. It's in the floorboard of my car. A vessel I had in my um, house that I carried up here. When I opened the door, it went tumbling out. In fact, someone go gather those pieces. Let's just bring them up here. A broken vessel. It's interesting that in Jeremiah 18, it says that the vest, that the clay got marred. Everyone say marred. The vessel got barred in the hands of the enemy. Is that what it said? The vessel got marred here or there. Now, God has already blessed the clay. God has already blessed you and I. God has spoken his blessing, but it said the clay got marred. The clay got hurt. The clay got beaten upon in the hand of the potter. I want to show you a, a beautiful picture of my friend Suzanne Cox. If that's not the first one, we'll bring that up, Mr. Taylor. This is my beautiful friend. Uh, we preached together at a conference, and I want to tell you her story. She's in the middle, the short-haired one, in the middle of all those kids. None of those kids are hers. None of those grandkids are hers either. Just keep that picture up. Suzanne, listen to me, was raised in poverty with a dysfunctional family. Suzanne knew, just stroll it out there, please, sir. Thank you so much. You can just scatter those pieces before I continue. Suzanne's life, thank you. Suzanne's life got broken from the time that she was a child. Taylor, she turned to drugs. She turned to alcohol when she was young. She got so horrifically hooked on cocaine and then heroin. Her life was a mess. It was such a mess, and one day walking down the street, she went by this church. Something compelled her to go into the church. She was losing everything. Her parents were dysfunctional. Drugs had been their life. She walked into that assembly of God, and a minister by the name of Pastor Mark Ruckland, you can watch him on TV. He is the uh, fountain, he's right now the president of um, ORU, or Roberts University. Dr. Rutland was preaching. He preached a message of salvation, and a little grandmother took her down. She got saved. She got delivered from drugs, but her life was so messed up, they arranged for her to go to Teen Challenge. And for 18 months, she went to Teen Challenge. She learned. Then she went to Rama Bible Institute. Say, the Lord blessed her. The Lord blessed her. She got saved. She went to Rama. She got in the Word. She got strong in the Word. And then the Lord said, go to India. She went to India and worked for two years in the most unbelievable conditions. 
with a, a girl's school there, a girl's home. Unbelievable, you'd have to read her book. It's just craziness. And she's the cutest, most, if you think I'm hyper, she's like on steroids and just cute as she can be. And, uh, and when she ministers and uh, she just had unbelievable things to happen to her and conditions. But one day she came back to the States because her mother died. She flew back into India. Say the clay is blessed. She was broken, but the Lord healed her. When a, I'll get back to her story, but when a vessel was broken, the potter would take, go out in the woods and he would take a tick called the fasuka. He would squash the fasuka and he would take it in some glue and he would put it in the vessel and he would glue it back together. The fasuka and the glue is symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ that flowed from Calvary. It doesn't matter how many times the vessel gets broken. It doesn't matter how many times the vessel gets marred. Guess what? The blood of Jesus still puts the broken pieces back together again. No one, come on, give the blood a praise. No one is too gone. No one is too lost. No one is too hurt. She gets off the plane in India and she can't call. Cell phone coverage won't work. She can't call the home to come pick her up. She's ahead of time. She took an early flight. She catches a taxi. The taxi driver begins to drive and he goes way down in the woods, somewhere she's never seen. And she's speaking a little bit of the India that she knows. She's trying to say, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. And all of a sudden she could tell he meant for evil intent. Drove two, two hours way back into that area. She got in there and he drove up to a shack and she said, please, please. She's saying everything in the words that she knows. Please, I'm a missionary. Please, please don't do this. She pulls up to a shack and four men with demonic spirits all on them, their faces. She said, you could just tell. They come out just horrible. I didn't want to say everything. They come out and they come out. The guy jumps out of the taxi. He's got the doors locked on her. And the guys start looking at her and they start handing out money. And they start dishing out dollars. And she realizes she's fixing to be sold to these men and in to human trafficking to never be found again. Now, this is a missionary that God has blessed. Someone say that God is blessed. Psalms 27 says, my heart will remain confident even when I am attacked. And she said, God, you said to not forget all of your benefits. You said that you have blessed me. You said you sent me here to India. You told me you'd keep me. Your word says in Psalms 91, your word says that the angels of God encamp around those that love and fear you. Lord, I apply the blood to this taxi. I apply the blood to my body. I I apply the blood. You blessed me. You sent me here. You didn't promise me it'd be easy. You didn't promise me I wouldn't be attacked. But I need you to turn this around for what you blessed cannot be cursed. And all of a sudden, those four men, as she's praying and speaking in English, they just got knocked back against the shack, looking at the taxi above the taxi. The driver started shaking. He jumped in the car in broken India. He said, I take you. I get rid of you. I get rid of you. I get rid of you right now. Tell me where you're going. Let me tell you something. When God blesses you, He keeps you through every evil attack. I wish I could tell you the rest of her story. That man she's sitting by, he's 18 years older than her. He was a pastor. His wife was mentally ill. He would dress his wife every morning. They're going to come minister for us. I don't want to tell the whole story. It'll make you weep like a baby. The love that that man showed his wife. 
is beyond words. Dressed her, dressed his daughters. Pastor church in Birmingham for years trying to keep control on his crazy. She did horrible things. Would, would break out of the house and he kept loving her. Her last few days, he put her in a nursing home because she physically could not take care of her. And she wasn't even that old. She had a debilitating disease that affected her mind. In those last few days, the nurses chronicled that he would come down the hallway singing, yes, sir, that's my baby. No, sir, don't mean maybe. Yes, sir, that's my baby doll. The nurses would weep watching this man of God live life as a vessel chosen unto God who experienced brokenness but kept going. Don't you tell God you can't keep going when you're broken, when you're hurting. He kept preaching. He kept believing. The Lord took that wife home, and guess what? A few years later in the Assembly of God convention, somebody fixed up little Suzanne, little Miss Drug Addict, little Miss Broken Vessel, fixed them up. Now together they preach the message. She's got children and grandchildren that she never bore. Isaiah 54, sing, O barren woman, you who never break forth and shout, sing, O man of God, who sees no fruit from your labor right now, because God can put his glory in his vessel. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Let me tell you one more story. Bring this picture up, please, Mr. Taylor, of Irene Gleason. Irene, there she is with her children in Uganda. Beautiful woman. Becca Lamb, Joni's youngest, spent a whole month over there. When I was with Joni and Becca, we went, I mentored Becca as well, and we went out to eat dinner and for like three hours. About an hour of that was them telling me Irene Gleason's story. It's been on the Joni Show. Go on the archives and watch it. Unbelievable. I'm not going to tell you her life up to this story. It's too much. And every turn of the point, you're going to say, that's got to be the worst thing I've ever heard. And then the story takes a turn. You say, that's got to be the worst story I've ever heard. And then it takes a turn. Come on, somebody. And you say, that's got to be the worst story. That's got to be the worst thing the devil can do. But at every point of her life, just like yours and mine, the devil always overplays his hand. And God always rewrites in your story his glory. Someone say, hallelujah. So Irene started a large orphanage in Uganda. She's doing the real work. That came to Okanda. Don't, don't buy into that. I'm not going to make a political statement, but the lambs know intimately about that. She does real work in Uganda for Christ. And she was in a small little half mobile home, Matthew, by herself on the property after she first went over there. The Lord had blessed her. Say the Lord had blessed her. There she is in that half mobile home laying there. And one night rebels, she could hear them coming. When they moved through the camp, they, she had heard they were coming. Village, village, getting close to her. She was by herself. Not even a mobile home, a half of a little motor home, I should say. Half of a little motor home. She's laying there. She has no security system. She's laying there, and she can hear them, them coming through villages. They always do atrocities. She hears them coming near their door, and she's just laying in the bed. Above her bed is written on her, on her ceiling, I am my beloved's, and he is mine. And she hears them coming. She hears them coming to the door. She hears them shaking it. They bust through. Twenty of them armed to the hilt come around her bed. They shake her bed. They begin to scream and yell and, and do all of these things. And she's just laying there in her bed. This woman blessed by God. This woman called by God, just like the prophet Jeremiah. This person that the potter never took his hand off the clay. And laying there, she just lays there. And she thinks, I don't know what they're doing, God. 
but I am my beloved and he is mine. As they get ready to press in and to grab her and to drag her out the door and beat her to death, all of the sudden they began to murmur among each other, look behind her. All 20 of them run out the door and all 20 of them leave where she is, her little half motorhome. But this is the astounding thing I shared Wednesday night. She looked up at God and tears coming down her face. Listen to this, don't miss this. She said, God, you sent me here. You sent me here to release your captives. And God, I should not have been attacked like that. They should not have come in like that, God. Why did you let that happen? This is what the Lord said to her. He said, Irene, look at yourself. You're still laying in the same bed you was laying in 30 minutes ago, Irene. They came in, and yes, fear haunted you. They came in, and for a moment you wanted to die, but they went back out the door. They came in, and you're still laying here. They did not pick you up. Nothing has happened to you, Irene. I'm still your beloved, and you're still mine. So lay there and rejoice in me that even when the enemy attacks you, your heart remains confident. Somebody give God praise. Come on. Come on. Somebody give God praise in this house. So whatever you're going through, the hand of the potter is on you. The hand of the potter is forming something out of you. I'm going to ask you to stand all over this building. I'm going to ask you to get ready. If you would bring the communion up, Pastor Todd, I'll just ask um, Angel to join you up here. If you have two plates, Angel, if you'd get the other one. Pastor David and Connie couldn't be here this morning. I'm going to ask whatever you need from the Lord. Thank you for letting me journey through this. I, I just want to follow him. I feel he wants to do some things in this moment. I feel like he wants to do some things for you. I'm praising worship singers. If you'd come first and then in a moment and then come up and maybe we'll go back to that blood song, Matthew, unless you've got something else ready. Um, whatever you have, we'll go with either way. But right now, I want you to lift all your hands to the Lord, both of your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, these hands that are lifted this morning, we are your clay and you are the potter. Lord, I just sensed the, the, the command to follow you this morning, not to push this message a place it didn't need to go, but to follow you. Lord, these hands that are lifted, they're some chosen vessels. They feel so much heat coming from the fire. They feel so much heat coming from what they're going through, Lord. It's amazing, God, this morning that we're not sure you can make beautiful things, but you did out of the dust you formed man. You're making beautiful things out of our pain, our fear, our sorrow, our unsaved loved ones. You're making beautiful things out of the things in our life, Lord, that we can't comprehend. There's broken vessels in this room this morning. They feel like life broke them. Situations broke them. And Lord, right now they need you to touch them. There's some of us in here that we wonder if we were blessed, our children were blessed, our grandchildren were blessed, why have they experienced things? If you bless our marriage, why do we go through trials and fires? If you called us like you did prophet Jeremiah, I believe you're saying to some of us, come back to the place of mercy. Come back and receive from me. Lord, your body is represented by this bread this morning. This juice represents your blood that brings healing and salvation and mercy.
And Lord Jesus, as we partake of it, we pray for our bodies. We pray for our minds. Any broken places, Lord, in our hearts, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would heal and you would mend in Jesus' name. As your eyes stay closed, I'm going to ask the team to come and whoever's going to sing with Matt. Matt, just if you take care of musicians, if you'd come get the bread and the juice first and come to the stage. As your eyes are closed, church, I just want you to listen to me. I feel like God wants to just bring a beginning of a healing moment, an encouraging moment, a strengthening moment. You are the clay in the hand of the potter. He loves you. He loves you. He's blessed you. Just like Ezra and Irene and Suzanne, he's called you for greatness. As your eyes are closed, listen to me. I can't look at you and know the vessel he's creating you to be. I don't care what the path has been. I don't care what the journey has been. I can't say. But God has blessed you. The enemy cannot curse what God has blessed. God has blessed your life. God spoke to you through Calvary. That blood changed everything for you. You may feel like a vessel of mercy in the marketplace and you're dry this morning. And you say, Lord, this morning when I take communion, I'm not expecting lightning and thunder, but I'm, I'm expecting a decision to be followed by a process of you filling me up with water. Lord, I'm dealing with fear this morning. I'm dealing with anguish of soul. Lord Jesus, I just pray for your blood to minister strength and healing. Maybe you're a vessel of honor and you've given and given in your home. You've carried the load and you need God's encouragement. Whatever it is this morning, when you come, take a piece of the bread, dip it in the juice. I don't want you to go back and sit unless you're going to kneel to pray. I want you to find a place to stand in these altars, if you would, on the far left and the right after you come. As you eat of this bread and drink of this juice, remember Christ. Then we're going to pray for each other before we go. But I want you to have a moment this morning. If you're away from the Lord and Christ is not Savior of your heart right now, He's calling you. He loves you. You can't go too far. You can't move away. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, He loves you this morning. And He's calling you home. Well, if you just come as they begin to sing, and would you take of the communion? Would you make these altars a place 